We turn this evening to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14 as we continue our series uh, in the evenings now on creatures of the Bible. Sort of my intent now that if you've noticed, uh, we've been skipping over many other stories we could include, many other scripture references, and kind of uh, from each book pick out uh, perhaps a highlighted one for us to, to reflect upon. So tonight it's from Deuteronomy chapter 14, and we'll well ask ourselves the question, so what do we learn from this? What is it that God would have us know from uh, this Old Testament law regarding food? Deuteronomy 14. Let's hear the breathed out word of God. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to, a people, to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You shall not eat any abomination. These are the animals you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Every animal that parts the hoof and has the hoof cloven in two and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Yet of those that chew the cud or have the hoof cloven, you shall not eat these, the camel, the hare, and the rock badger, because they chew the cud but do not part the hoof, are unclean for you. And the pig because it parts the hoof but does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Of all that are in the waters you may eat these. Whatever has fins and scales you may eat. Whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. You may eat all bir clean birds, but these are the ones that you shall not eat. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, and the short-eared owl, the barn owl, and the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, and the camarade, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hopo, and the bat. And all winged insects are unclean to you. They shall not be eaten. All clean winged things you may eat. You shall not eat anything that has died naturally. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your towns that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner. For You are a people holy. To the Lord your God, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Thus far the reading of God's word. May God add his blessing to not only that reading, but its proclamation tonight as well. Let's bow in prayer. 
before I pray, I'd like to thank you all for your uh, your condolences. Um, well, that's not condolences, but your your uh, efforts of comfort for your prayers and for me and Therese as we go through a twist in the road. Now, Lord, we thank you for the bit written word that you've given us, that we can read it, that we can study it, that we can do it again. We thank you for all the wonderful songs that are written, that we can sing and express your your love for us so outwardly and so straightforwardly. We ask this and thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, we want to look at two things this evening. First of all, this law of Deuteronomy, but then to move to the New Testament and look in some ways at a parallel passage in the book of Acts, a vision that the Apostle Peter is given. So our two main points tonight, for those who take notes, are the law of Deuteronomy and the vision of Acts. First of all, just note that this is not the only place in the Old Testament where we have this. Leviticus chapter 11 is perhaps an even longer, more thorough presentation on what are clean and unclean foods, what they are allowed to eat and what they are not allowed to eat, and we'll make reference to some of that later. But that happened at Mount Sinai. That is where Leviticus is given. That's where the Levitical law comes to God's people. We're now in the book of Deuteronomy. It's 40 years later. They have wandered in the wilderness for some 40 years. Now they are about ready to enter the land of Canaan. Moses is giving the law the second time. As we read it in Deuteronomy, it appears that oftentimes things are shortened, such as this chapter in uh, about clean and unclean animals. But that's because they had the law. It's already written. They have that they've been given it Moses is simply before they enter the land reminding them that these laws are still active but he needs to do so because these people never heard the law at Sinai or were too young that whole generation has died off because of their unfaithfulness and unwillingness to enter the land under God's direction and command. So now we have a whole new generation of folks, a whole new people of God, as it were, who need to be told what is God's law. So God gives laws about a whole variety of things. Sacrifices, feasts, festivals, tithes, offerings, but also about food. What animals... What insects, what birds, what fish they could and could not eat. It begins by simply, we, we just got to look at the terms, right? It's interesting the way God defines this. There are clean animals and there are unclean animals. The word clean, as it's used here, means to be acceptable. It means to be usable. It does not mean that they've been washed. It doesn't mean they, you know, somebody's taken a hose and cleaned them off. Right? 
I remember as a kid, I always wondered about that. You know, is, is clean supposed to mean that somebody gave them a bath somewhere? And unclean are those who aren't. And so, I, you know, sometimes I remember back as a five, six-year-old hearing pastors preach about these passages and, and what I was thinking. So kids, it's not about that. It's not about whether they've rolled in the mud or haven't rolled in the mud. That's not what makes them clean or unclean. The clean here has to do more with they're acceptable to God. They're approved by God. The unclean, then, are those who are unacceptable, those that may not be used. And you'll note even in this passage in Deuteronomy, they weren't even to touch the unclean ones. They weren't even to have them in their hands. In Jewish language, in the Yiddish of today, this, this comes out with the idea of the kosher, the kosher foods. Kosher is that which is valid, fit suitable or proper for consumption. So you'll, you'll hear, actually, there, there, there was uh, headlines in the news uh, yesterday, I believe it was, that there was a shooting at a kosher market in uh, New York City. That would mean that all the food that is there has been determined by a rabbi to be fit. The meat is all clean. Now they go into a lot more detail because of all the added rules and so on that have come in since the time of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, but it somewhat carries the same idea. Kosher means it's a clean thing. If it's non-kosher, it means the source is unacceptable as far as Jewish folks are concerned. There are clean and there are unclean foods. And there's lists. On, on the back of the sermon outline, I kind of tried to summarize it and give you some sort of an idea of maybe what falls into that. With clean animals, as far as mammals, for an animal to be clean, it had to meet two qualifications. It had to have cloven hooves, and it had to chew its cud. That meant an animal was clean. Every animal that does not do that was considered unclean. And interestingly enough, everything that gets in to the unclean side of things, it includes all animals that eat meat. So any animal that eat, mammals now, that eat meat, the Israelites were not allowed to eat. So it's basically grass feeders. Anything that eats grass, berries, vegetation, that was what the Israelites were allowed to eat. In terms of bird, there, there's never a list of what a clean bird is. It only lists that which is unclean. And interestingly enough, even as I read that list from Deuteronomy, and you can read it in Leviticus as well, it's all birds of prey and scavengers. Anything that eats dead carcasses, right? The raven sitting there alongside of the road that is sitting there eating on that dead skunk and you drive up with your car, it flies away, you look in your mirror and it's back again eating on that dead skunk. No, you can't eat that. Why? Because it's eating another dead animal. 
the birds of prey, the birds that come in and swoop and kill those they were not allowed to eat. When it comes to reptiles, I thank the Lord every day. I wish we still had the rule. We eat none of them. They're all considered to be unclean. No snake. Out of the, out of the realm. When it comes to water animals, two qualifications to make it a clean. It has to have fins and scales. If it doesn't have fins and scales, it cannot be eaten. Meaning all those bottom dwellers, right? The shrimp, the lobster, the crab, those things are out. According to the Jewish law of things. Insects, they could eat those in the grasshopper family. Basically anything else with wings or that crawled on fours, they could not eat. So there's the list. If you breaking it down, they here they use the kosher birds and so on. So a kosher bird, because it's not listed in the can't eat list, would be chickens, doves, ducks, goose, pigeons, quail, turkey. Right? In the as far as animals are concerned, they weren't allowed to eat bear. They weren't allowed to eat donkey. They weren't allowed to eat horse, right? No rodents, that sort of thing. And we have the list of things that fall in place, including locusts. Hence, John the Baptist is allowed to eat honey and locusts because it's on the approved list of insects that you may eat. Fish, once again, you have the list there. Uh, no catfish, no clams. No scallops, no oysters. Why anybody would, I don't know, but some of you seem to enjoy that. But I would have made a much better Israelite in the regard of those sorts of things. Not a good Israelite in regards to many other things. So there's the list. Here's the law of Deuteronomy. There are clean and unclean. Here are the lists. I'll provide you with the list, God says, so you're not confused about what is going on and what is happening so you know what you can, what you can't eat. Some of people have evaluated this and looked at it and said, well, you know, if you're a wandering people in the middle of the wilderness, it probably makes sense from a health standpoint. I don't think, I, I, health may have been a part of God's reasoning, but it's not his purpose because he states for us his purpose. He tells us why. I'm given these laws for two reasons. Because you are a holy people. I want you set apart. I want you to live life differently than all the rest of the cultures of the world. I don't want you to eat the way the other cultures don't. I want you to be distinctive. I want you to be unique. You are a holy people. The word holy there means set apart, consecrated. You're, you're set apart from the other nations. That's what it told us 
in Deuteronomy. You are not like the other nations. I have chosen you. I have called you in order that you will live for me in a distinctive way. And one of the ways of distinctive living is by what you eat. That's going to set you apart from the rest of the cultures of the day. That's one reason given to us in Deuteronomy, repeated for us in Leviticus as well. You are to be holy, Leviticus 10.10, because I am holy. Secondly, it's because they belong to the Lord. They are a belonging people. They're his possession. He redeemed them. He bought them with a price. They're his. He owns them. And as their redeemer, as their savior, as their atoner, he has the right to determine how they are then to live in the society around them. So it's to set them apart, It's because they belong to him that they should have the desire to follow these rules, these laws, even in regards to the eating of animals. But we could add a third. The point that God was trying to make is also that they were to be a light to the other nations. The way they live from day to day was to be a sign to the other cultures of the society that they were different. So that the other societies and cultures would say, why are you different? Why don't you eat pork? Well, because the Lord our God who has given to us a rule and he has called us to be his holy people, his set-apart people, We belong to him. He took us out of Egypt. He led us through the wilderness. And and we as his people have now been brought into the land of Canaan. And he has given this land to us as our possession, as our inheritance. And he desires for us not to eat pork, so we don't eat pork. A light to the Gentiles. Why do you live the way you do? But it was meant to be a drawing to them. That these other nations, these other cultures wouldn't go, well, that's just dumb and stupid. But they would be drawn to these people who are living a committed life in service to the Lord their God because they have been set apart. That's the purpose. Right? For you are a people holy, right? The end of verse 21. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. So we have all these animals, all this stuff, and now from the time of Leviticus on, the Jewish people keep this law. Now we don't know how well they fared, how well they did, It seems like they stuck to the pork thing pretty good. It seems like 
Actually, when you look at and see what goes on in Israel, overall, they didn't do too badly on this one. Even by the time of Jesus, these laws are still enacted. They're still living this way. It's the Gentiles up in the Gadarenes who have the herd of pigs. It's not the Jews. To them, that was still forbidden. It was still off limits. So we'll leave Deuteronomy 14 with that understanding, that in the background. Go with me now to the book of Acts chapter 10. The book of Acts chapter 10. And the parallel is pretty clear. So when we come to this vision of Peter in Acts, first of all, understand the timing. We are now in the New Testament. Pentecost has occurred. The church is expanding. The church is growing. Many people of the Jewish faith have converted to Christianity. They have left behind Judaism and have now become followers of Jesus Christ. Many of the people who are a part of this New Testament church, by the time we get to Acts chapter 10, are Gentiles, but they converted to Judaism. So they, 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 they at one time were pagan, but they converted. The light of the Gentile, the light to the Gentiles worked. They were drawn to the light. They were drawn to the Lord. They saw the glorious truths that were found in the Old Testament. They became people who were holy to the Lord. They understood themselves as belonging to the Lord. They received the sign of circumcision. They were Gentiles who converted to Judaism, but now have heard the gospel. They've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and they've turned from Judaism to Christianity. So at the time of Acts chapter 10, all we have are people who were Jewish by religion, who have converted to Christianity, or Gentiles who became converted to Judaism, who have become Christians. We have no one who is just a Gentile who becomes a Christian. The church isn't even looking for them. They're not even on the radar screen of Acts chapter 10. That's the timing. That's where we are. The connection comes in the fact that Peter, starting in verse 9, has a vision. Now there's a background to this. The background is there's a man by the name of Cornelius who is a Gentile. He is not converted to Judaism. He is a Gentile. He likes Judaism. He's favorable towards Judaism, but he's a Roman centurion. He's a Gentile through and through. He's received a message from an angel that he's to go get Peter and have Peter come to his home. While that is happening, 9 through 16 occurs. Let's read it together. Acts 10, 
9. The next day as they were on their journey, that is the men who are coming to get Peter and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now Peter has a problem, doesn't he? The problem is there is a list from Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14 that forbids him to eat the animals, some of the animals that are in this sheet. He's been told to kill and eat. Peter says, can't do it. Verse 14, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened, and isn't it interesting? Three times. Three times. Do you think bells were going off in Peter's head? Right? How many times did I deny the Lord? Three. How many times did Jesus ask me if he loved me? Three. How many times am I seeing this sheet? Three. Okay, I get it. Somewhat. This happened three times and the thing was taken up to heaven at once. In other words, the whole thing is repeated. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Lord, I don't do that. Peter, what I call clean, do not call unclean. The next verse says, Now Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. What's God trying to communicate to me? What is God telling me? Why is God sending me messages about clean and unclean animals? Ah, there's our connection, isn't it? Back to Leviticus chapter 11, back to Deuteronomy chapter 14. God is saying to Peter, Peter, these animals that have been on this do not touch do not eat list, I have now declared, you may kill and eat. No, no, no. Peter, what I declare clean, don't you interrupt and say is unclean. The Lord is the Lord of the law. The law is not the Lord of God. We need to remember that. God has the right. As Peter is wondering about this vision, these men from Cornelius come. They explain to Peter the circumstances, situation. Peter goes along. He meets Cornelius. Cornelius again explains what happened. He explains about the fact that the angel told him to go get Peter. And there's a whole group of people 
that Cornelius has gathered. A whole bunch of Gentiles are there in Cornelius' home. And Cornelius says to him, teach us, teach us. Turn with me a little bit further, okay, into chapter 10. Go down to verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout the good news. Okay? He preaches the gospel. It goes on. We're witnesses of all he did. Uh, excuse me, verse 38. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we're all witnesses of all that he did. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him, verse 40, on the third day and made him appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen as God by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Preaches the gospel. Preaches Jesus Christ. What happens? Verse 44 while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter got it. The vision wasn't about food. Oh, it was, but it wasn't. The real message was it was about people. The church had withheld the good news from Gentiles. Because the law had basically said Gentiles were unclean and they weren't to have anything to do with them. They weren't to talk to them. They weren't to associate with them. The good news of the gospel was withheld. Oh, they had shared it with those of the Jewish faith. They could because they were, in a sense, Jewish. Even the Gentiles who had converted, they were, in a sense, Gen Jewish by their conversion. But these Gentiles, they're without God. They're unclean, have nothing to do. Touch not, taste not, have nothing to do. Converse not with them. But Peter gets the vision. God has declared... He has broken down the wall of hostility. There is now no more Jew and Gentile. The vision teaches Peter. And when he sees the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit just as they had in that upper room, he understands the reality. 
in a vision of a sheet of animals. God teaches the church that you and I, you and I, are okay to hear the gospel. You and I are included in God's eternal plan. You and I, the Gentiles that we are, are not only allowed to hear the gospel, but God in His Holy Spirit brings that gospel to our hearts, to our lives. What an amazing message through clean and unclean animals. Teaching. Beauty. Of this message. So that we today, I, I, I mean there may be pockets of folks who still hold to some strange ideas, but I think for the most part all of us here today would say wherever the gospel can be proclaimed, proclaim it. Wherever the good news can go, let it go. Whether it be Japan, China, Korea, North Korea, India, Iran, Iraq, the Congo, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, wherever. Bring the good news of the gospel. You know why we believe that? Because of Acts chapter 10. A sheet of animals lowered through which God taught the message that even the Gentiles. But there is more. Remember the purpose? Remember the purpose why God had the law of clean and unclean? It was to set a people apart because they belonged to him. I want you to turn to one other passage. And it's interesting because it's the same person. It's Peter. Okay? So now what you have to do, remember this morning, we took an Old Testament text. We heard Jesus exposit that Old Testament text. This is what it means. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take a New Testament passage, Acts 10, and Peter is going to exposit Acts chapter 10. What does it really mean? So go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice, first of all, in, first, in the first chapter, verse 1, Peter writes this to the elect exiles. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. It's not to Jews. It's to God's elect. Jews and Gentiles. God's people. 
chapter 2. Verse 4, as you come to him, Jew and Gentile, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, Jew and Gentile are being built together. Dividing wall, as I mentioned before, has been broken down. There is no distinguishing anymore. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Notice Peter's language. A holy nation. What was the purpose of those Old Testament laws to set them apart as a holy people. What is the purpose of the Lamb of God? To set us apart as a holy people. That's what Christ does. He sets us apart from those of the world by his cleansing blood. We are a holy, separated people. Note, a people for his own possession. We belong to Christ. We are his. Remember the purpose of those laws? Holiness. Belonging to God. What was the third? To be a light to the Gentiles. Listen to Peter. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All learned through clean and unclean animals. The lesson, the purpose of those animals ends up in the New Testament as being the purpose for the Lamb of God. Christ comes that we might declare His praise. That we might be a people that belong to God. That we might be a holy people. Set apart for His glory. For His praise. There's a proverb that says, Go to the animals and let them teach you. I hope we have heard God's message through them tonight. And we go to this world with the good news of Christ. Father, thank you for your word, a living, breathing word. Father, this has so much to say about how we live but it has also so much to say about what you have done for us in Christ. We pray, Father, we pray that we might be amongst those who declare your glory, your praise in this world. Father, there are still others. There are still others 
that you have appointed unto eternal life. They need to hear the good news of the gospel. And you've appointed us as the church of Jesus Christ to bring that good news to the world around us. Father, may your blessing rest upon us in this week as we seek in our own little piece, our little square inch of this world to bring Christ. May we show Christ, may we live Christ, may we speak Christ, may we act Christ in this week before us so that others may ask, what is the reason for that hope that you have? And we may tell them of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In his name we pray. God's people saying, Amen.